0: Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and He wants to bless you. Now, join us as we dive into today's message. Um, we're going to start a uh, a teaching over the next couple of weeks. I'm super excited about it. Uh, it's Psalm 23, and we're going to get into this thing right away because I want to make sure that we got plenty enough time to to communicate what the Lord's put on the hearts for, uh, for these next several weeks. But um, uh, we're going to walk through a couple lines of, of Scripture uh, as, we, as we read through Psalm 23. Uh, and the Lord put this on my heart a little while ago, and I've been praying and asking, you know, Lord, when, when's the right time to share this? And uh, he had been just pressing some different just, uh, I think, insights And as we were in this season, the Lord really, really brought me to a focus and He said the time is now. And so as we unpack it, as we talk about it, uh, I believe that it's going to play a very significant part in this season that we've been talking to as the season of transformation or change. uh, Because the reality is is that Psalm 23 really is a psalm about change. It's a psalm about change and and we'll we'll look at that today. But before we read it, I just want to take a moment, I want to open up in prayer this morning. then, Father, again, we thank you for your presence, your power, your love, your goodness. Jesus, we thank you for us for who you are. Lord, even as we look into this text today, we will come to recognize that you are the good shepherd. And you are the one that watches over your people. And so we thank you, Lord, today that we can look to you, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. And so, Father, the heart and the prayer is, Lord, bring salvation to the lost, bring bring hope and healing to the hurting. Today, Lord, strengthen us so that the way that we came is not the way that we leave. But today, Father, we thank you, Lord, that we leave from this place transformed, changed, and empowered to reach our world with life. And in that, Father, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise all God's people said. Amen. 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 Wow. Psalm 23. I already gave you enough time to turn there. Are you with me this morning on it? If you got your Bibles, you better get there quickly. Your phones, your devices, whatever it is, we're going to read through this through this passage this morning, and uh, and we're going to take a look at, at at what the Lord is saying through it. And so it says this Psalm 23, starting in verse one: "The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures." With oil my cup runs over, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow. Forever. Amen. I want to look at the first two scriptures of this passage this morning uh, as we transition into this teaching over the next several weeks we're going to look at a couple of scriptures at a time and I want to look at really verses 1 and 2 today and as we prepare to turn our attention to the first uh, two verses of this passage again as I mentioned it's important to understand Psalm 23 is really a passage that is dealing with change and transition because as the writer or the psalmist David is writing this, he's not writing it from the perspective of I hope that the Lord does not leave me in want. I hope that the Lord becomes my rod and my staff. I he's not writing it from a place that he hasn't been because as you know David himself was a shepherd. He understood The idea, the concept, the purpose of how shepherding works and what it takes to shepherd the sheep. And so he's writing it from a personal experience, from a personal place of what it is to be a natural shepherd. But also from a place of how the Lord has shepherded his life. And so as he's writing this, it's important to note that he is writing it through the eyes of a shepherd. All six verses of Psalm 23 is through the eyes of a shepherd. So a lot of the context in what we talk about is going to be dealing with it from the perspective of how a shepherd shepherds his sheep. And as we look at this, we'll 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 we'll, we'll begin to, to gather some different insights of how that relates to us, but it is important that we are seeing it through the lens of a shepherd. Now the thing that's important about this, why it has to deal with change and transition, is because what David is writing is the idea that the sheep are leaving the sheepfold, and they're making their way to the table. In other words, God loves you as you are, but enough not to leave you the way that you are. God's not going to leave you into the sheepfold, but he has a place that is prepared for you, for your family, for your children, for your life. And so he wants to bring you to a place that you are sitting at the table, feasting on every good and perfect thing that comes down from the Father of lights. The Bible talks about the fact in John chapter 10, verse 11, that Jesus makes the statement, I am the good shepherd. In other words, the good shepherd is responsible to produce good things. Somebody say good things. And God desires good things for your life. God desires for you to walk in good things, in great things. God wants you to walk in blessing. God wants you to be able to encounter every good and perfect thing that comes from him. God wants to fulfill the desires of your heart. God does not want any need unmet. That is not the nature and the business that God is in. He is the the good Shepherd. Say with me this morning, the Good Shepherd. In verse 1, the line of text opens up by simply saying this, the Lord is, I'm just going to stop it right there. Can I just talk to you for a moment about the Lord is? Can I tell you who the Lord is? How many know that the Lord is your shield that surrounds you and provides safety? How many know the Lord is your healer? How many know that the Lord is your strength? How many know the Lord is the rock that you can lean on? How many know the Lord is your provider? How many know the Lord is your present help in time of need? How many know the Lord's the one that can pick you up and turn your life around? How many know the Lord is the one that watches over his word to perform it in your life? So if he's given you a dream, if he is brought to you a realization of your purpose, he's the one that's It's going to make sure that that word is executed in your life so that you can walk in the fullness of everything that he has. The Lord is. Somebody say the Lord is. Check this out. The Bible only mentions two places that the Lord is not. The first thing is that he mentions it in the book of Numbers, chapter 23, verse 19. And he says that the Lord is not a man that he should lie the Lord does not change just because you had a tough moment God is the same yesterday today and forever and so if he spoke it he is not going to change on his word for your life for your family for your future because God is not in the changing business you said but pastor we're in the season of change yeah we're supposed to change to go from glory to glory but God is a constant he is an eternal being that is perfect in every single one of his ways so we got to change so that we can get on his wavelength get off ours get connected to him so that we can walk in the goodness of the Good Shepherd amen so the Bible says that he is not a man that he should lie another passage of the Bible is in the book of Peter Peter says this in chapter 3 and in verse 9 it says that he is not slack with his promises In other words, God holds tight to the promises that he has made. He doesn't get loose. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get worn out. God holds tightly to the promises. God is not going to give up just because we gave up. God's not going to give out just because you gave out. God is holding tight. He is the anchor of strength in which he's trying to pull you close to him so that you can walk in the goodness that he has for your life. The Lord is... Our shepherd. Now if you're taking notes, it's important to understand what a shepherd is. Because we've got to understand the purpose and the role of a shepherd. So that we understand why David is writing this passage this way. A shepherd, if you're taking notes this morning, is one who protects, one who directs, and one who provides. The role, the responsibility of a shepherd is to protect his sheep. Is to Direct his sheep, and by the way, direction also means correction. Don't think for a second in the passage that Jesus is talking about the 99 and the one that went wayward. What did he have to do? He had to correct that sheep by bringing him back into the right direction. He was willing to forsake the 99 to grab the one. Thank goodness that the Lord is willing to go to the furthest point to rescue you and me when we were completely out of sorts. When we were in our worst when we are absolutely broken, when we are so far from him, isn't it amazing the love of the almighty God that he was willing to forsake everything just to go out and save you and love you? He was willing to give it all on the cross so that you could live a life that is saved, that is healed, that is delivered. That's the goodness of our God. And so he's a God that protects, directs, and provides The responsibility of a shepherd is to make sure that he cares for the sheep, provides the right conditions for the sheep, and the right culture for the sheep. When Jesus talks about, in Matthew, the purpose of the coming kingdom, it was that there would be a kingdom culture that would make its way into this earth from heaven so that the sheep could live according to a kingdom culture, to a healthy culture, to a right culture. The shepherd has a responsibility to provide the right culture, and that's what Jesus did. Jesus made it possible that we could live as children of God according to His kingdom, not according to the culture of the world. And so the shepherd cares, ...for the condition and the culture of his sheep. And this is why the shepherd has to lead the sheep from the sheepfold to the table. And the purpose of it is that according to how shepherds actually tend to their sheep... ...there are different seasons in which shepherds have to lead their sheep to different locations... ...because there are dry seasons, there are cold seasons, there are hot seasons... ...and agriculture responds based upon the seasons. And how many know... The sheep, they feed on what's available. And so the shepherd knows to keep the sheep healthy and to make sure that he's providing for them, he has to move them from one place to the next. How many know the Lord is constantly looking out and over your needs? He's going to move you from one place to the next. You might hit a dry season, you might hit a season that seems like, oh my goodness, it's not really working together. Well, the Lord's saying, I want to renew you, I want to change you, I want to transform you because I got greater. I got to get you out of this old season into a new season. And so the shepherd, he leads his sheep from one place to another place. What I love about that is God is always about keeping his sheep in the right position. God always wants his sheep in the right position. He wants us to be in the right position so that we can walk in kingdom blessing, that we can walk according to the conditions of the kingdom. And so what we find here is as David is writing this, he says that the shepherd has a responsibility to protect, to direct, to provide. He has the responsibility to the care, to the condition and the culture of the sheep. And as we see this passage begin to, to to unfold, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Well, how many of you know, if the shepherd is going to protect, direct, and provide, I'm not going to be in a place of wanting. God is consistent in all things. But if I stray away from the shepherd, if I get away from the good shepherd, it's going to be very easy that I'm going to find myself in want. We see this in the parable, especially with the lost son. The lost son, he totally gets disconnected from his father. Loses everything, has no protection, has no direction, has no provision. We know how that story goes. When he humbles himself and asks for forgiveness, he gets back connected to the father, a.k.a. the shepherd of the household, and he's back in a place of protection. I'm here to encourage you today. There's an importance for us to remain connected to God, not just Sundays, every day of your life. I've preached this before, but the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not seek the kingdom just first in your day or once in your week. Seek the kingdom first in everything that you do. Or better yet, before everything that you do. So that you can have the mind of Christ in your decisions. You can have the mind of Christ in your living, in your leading, in the things that you're called to do. It is so imperative that we are staying connected to the good shepherd. That we are staying connected to the one who protects and directs and provides and when I'm connected to the Good Shepherd and when I understand that he's the one that goes before me when he's the one that makes the crooked paths straight I'm not gonna ever be in a place of want I'm here to tell you today when you allow the Lord to lead you you're not gonna find yourself in a place of want he will meet the desires of your heart he will watch over his word and he will be with you everywhere that you go he is the Good Shepherd you shall not be in want. Verse 2 says this, and this is where I'm going to focus majority of our times. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down. First off, I want to say this. He makes me lie down is non-negotiable. <laughs> you don't get to sit there and have a conversation. God, am I lying down or not? He makes you lie down. But I'm going to tell you how He makes you lie down. He doesn't make you lie down by submission. He makes you lie down by condition. He makes every condition so incredible that you've got no choice but to be surrendered in His presence. God's not here trying to make His people be forced into submission. God wants His people to willingly, by the conditions of the culture that He sets up, to say, wow, I can rest here. Because I know I won't be in want when the Good Shepherd is watching over me. When the Good Shepherd is with me. But as we're talking about sheep and as we're talking about shepherds, it's important to understand how do shepherds actually get sheep to lie down? I'm sure you asked that question when you were walking in this morning. I'm sure that was right on your mind. Huh, I wonder how sheep are made to lie down by the shepherds. Well, I'm going to give you four conditions of how shepherds get sheep to lie down and it's pretty simple there's four conditions in how a sheep would get a shepherd to lie down the first condition is this is that to make the sheep to lie down he frees the sheep from all fear from all fear a shepherd will make sure that his sheep is not in a place of fear now when shepherds are leading their sheep from the sheepfold and don't worry, in a couple weeks we're going to talk about what the table is. But as, as the shepherd is leading the sheep from the sheepfold to the table, they're exposed to predators. They're exposed to elements. They're exposed to things that is very easy for the sheep to get afraid. And in fact, a sheep is one of the most timid animals that you could ever encounter. They're so, they're, they're, they're so already like scared by nature and it's important that the shepherd frees the sheep from all fear so that he can move them from where they are to where they need to be. Now I think it's interesting in life how we can become so fearful by the predators of the world, the conditions of the world. We look around today and everything is trying to put fear, in, that. the economy wants to try and put fear in you. Politics is trying to put fear in us. Media is trying to put fear in us. Everywhere that we look, there is something that is telling us what is broken, what is not right, what is messed up. And this is what you need to cling to. And I caution you, if it's not clinging to the good shepherd, if you're not clinging to the Lord, if you're not drawing close to him... You're going to find yourself in a constant state of fear. But the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and a sound mind. So when I'm drawing close to the Lord, I'm going to be walking not with fear, but with power, with love, in my right mindset. Not thinking the way that the world thinks, but thinking the way that God thinks. I shared this the other night on Wednesday night, but in the book of Peter, there's this scripture that says that we need to gird the loins of our mind. We need to be sober-minded. We need to be in our right mindset according to the way that God thinks, not the way that the world thinks. The idea of girding the loins of your mind is simply this. In culture, when in, in Roman and Greek, Uh, ancient Roman and Greek wrestling, they would wear long flowing garments and what they would do is they would fasten the garments with belts tight to their legs so that they had more mobility, more flexibility, the capacity to be able to be limber and free and move. In other words, they were prepared for action. I want to ask you this morning, church, are you prepared for action? Is your mind steadfast on the things of God? Or are you steadfast on what media and social media and what people are telling you how you need to act? I'm here to caution you and and encourage you this morning that you need to prepare the loins of your mind. You need to prepare your mind for action to think the way that God thinks. All it takes is a moment of favor in your direction to make the right decision. And you get a kingdom promotion on the job. I'll tell you what, I'm not living in a season of setbacks. I'm not living in a season that's defined by the kingdoms of this world. I'm not living my life based upon what people are trying to tell me how I need to live. I'm walking according to the kingdom, I'm not going to be in fear, ain't nothing in this world's going to intimidate me. That's the thing, the enemy is trying to go through all these different places right now, trying to bring about fear to, to, to the believers. We were just the other day uh, over at Target. That We no longer shop there anymore. I just publicly said it, so it's done. You can't go back. Walked in there the other day. They got this whole section dedicated to Pride Month. With a little onesie for, for a 12 month baby that says, I'm proud. I'm about to write underneath it, proud to be a Christian. The indoctrination that's trying to take place right now. Now, understand something, and I say this with with all love and sincerity. I hate the sin. I love the sinner. I'm not here to reject anybody, I'm not here to put down anybody. It is a spirit, a demonic spirit, that is trying to bring about confusion into our generations and into our nation. And there comes a point that you have to take a stand. That I'm not going to allow the demonic spirit, the perverse spirit, to take place in my household. Well, you know, you know, you don't have to buy from that brand. It's not about that. Let your conviction be your conviction. Let mine be mine. But what I'm simply telling you is this, is that the devil is trying to bring about fear, and, and, and he's trying to bring about confusion, and he's trying to divide the families and the households. And I'm not standing for it. You've heard me before already talk about this stuff. If I'm proud to be anything, I'm proud to be a Christian. And an American. But you gotta understand something right now. That the fight that we're fighting is not flesh and blood. It's not flesh and blood. And the good shepherd's trying to lead us to a place of purpose and destiny. But don't think for a second there ain't a devil that's hiding out, waiting to try and take out the children of God. That's why he says be sober-minded because the devil is roaming around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, I don't know what he's going to have to devour himself because he ain't touching my children. He's not touching our church. He's not touching our community. He's not touching our nation. He's not going to touch you. He's not going to touch this house. Because we are going to be God-fearing, God-living people that are holy before the Lord, that walks in the ways of the Good Shepherd. Talking about all the gun violence junk. Meanwhile, we're trying to pass bills to increase the ability to, 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 to minister pills for abortion. Indoctrina- indoctrination into the school systems right now with all this stuff. Hey, bless Texas. They just passed the bill that the Ten Commandments could go back into the classroom. But but here's the thing. I don't want us to get to to just get, I don't want you to get lost in that. I want to stay focused on what we're talking about today. It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy. To allow the enemy to come in and bring confusion and that's what he's trying to do he's trying to get our eyes off of the Good Shepherd so that we become the one out of the hundred that strays away and the reason why Jesus was willing to save the one is because he knew if that one sheep was separated long enough The predators of the world, the conditions of whatever was going on, would consume that. And he said, no, I'm willing to give my life. That's why he says, I'm the good shepherd, and anyone that comes to me, I give my life to save them. He is the good shepherd. His condition is to free you from fear. Don't allow the world to tell you what's up, let the Word of God lead you righteously, direct your steps, that's why he says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord, walk righteously, you got nothing to fear, walk righteously, you got nothing to fear, as long as you're walking righteously and in purpose, God will surround you like a shield he will surround you he will protect you so the good shepherd what he does in order for the for the sheep to lie down and to rest is he frees them from fear he gives them assurance he frees them from famine he makes sure that every single one that's in his flock is fed and when you're following the good shepherd he's not going to he's not going to lead you and guide you and not sustain you in the process He's not going to lead you and guide you and and leave you without. He's not going to lead you and guide you and make sure that your needs are are not met. The Bible says that he supplies all our needs according to his riches. Thank God for heaven's bank account. Come on now. Man, when when, when, when I'm hooked up to the good shepherd, man, he's going to supply according to his endless heavenly bank account. I just got this picture of, Scrooge McDuck, remember back in DuckTales when he would jump in that big old vault filled with gold coins? (laughs) Heaven's bank account. (laughs) He'll supply all your needs. Don't look to the world. The world's not your source. God is your source. The Lord's your source. The Lord's your source. And so what he does is, the, 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 the good shepherd, he frees from famine. The Bible says uh, this. He talks about the fact that not only will he supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory, but it also talks about in the book of Matthew that those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be filled. And so maybe you're in a spiritual famine, hunger and thirst for the things of God, he will fill you. He'll renew your spiritual walk. He'll fill you up. I've never not known God to be one to handle business on behalf of his children. You think about it in the Old Testament, right? When, when, when they were wandering, the Hebrews were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, what did he do? He showed up with two pieces and a biscuit. He hooked them up with some quail and manna. Come on now. When, 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 when Elijah was over in the ravine, what did the Lord do? He sent the ravens. some food for Him. Don't tell me that God is not looking out for His people. In the New Testament, and we talk about it often, uh, but but the feeding of the 5,000, every single person was fed till they wanted no more. God is not going to leave you in a place of wanting, of emptiness, of brokenness, but if you're walking right before the Lord, He will make sure that the condition of your hunger is fulfilled. He will not leave you in famine. That is not our God. And I'm just here to encourage you this morning. Maybe you're in a place right now that you say, Lord, I really need you to move. Stay hungry for Him. He'll take care of your needs. I found this out. When we take care of God's business, He takes care of our business. Stay faithful to the things of God and He'll remain faithful to you today. And so the good shepherd, he frees the sheep of fear. He frees them of famine by making sure that they've got food for the journey. He frees them from friction. How many of you know that sheep, much like rams and goats, they get too close to each other, they don't like it. They they, they build up a lot of friction. Sometimes it's like us in the body of Christ. We get too close sometimes. We get too familiar sometimes. It can turn from a friendship to a lot of friction. And believe it or not, sheep have the tendency to, to butt heads. like they just get at it with each other. This is my space. Get out of my space. It's so easy sometimes to be at odds with one another, to butt heads with one another. You know what happens when you butt heads with somebody all the time? You become a butthead. <laughs> Don't be a butthead. Don't be in disunity. Pastor, you don't understand what this person did to me. Shut up, butthead. <laughs> be in unity. Don't allow yourself to be divided from the body of Christ. The will of God operates when we are in unity with the Lord, in unity with one another. The kingdom of God can't come and the will of God can't be done when we're in disunity with one another. I don't care how spiritually high you are in the moment of worship, the fullness of what God wants to do cannot be manifested if you're at odds with one another. Because the Bible says that the blessing goes from the head all the way down, that those that dwell in unity, the blessing is commanded. The anointing can't flow if we're in disunity. But when we're in unity, the anointing flows and the blessing is released. And this is why I always try to aim to make it a point that we take a moment and we lock arms with the person next to us. Because it's really, really, really hard when we begin to pray for each other's peace and prosperity to be frustrated with our indifferences that we came in with and and when we entered the door. But when we are locking arms and we're declaring peace, prosperity, salvation, wholeness, deliverance, God is honored with that we've come together to worship Him in one accord. So the coming kingdom can be released into that moment. And that's why you see greater moves of God, whether it's his outpouring of signs and wonders and miracles or people that are coming to to the altar to, to just get before the Lord. Because when we are unified as one, the power of God begins to just fall and flow into the house. When you are unified in your own earthly houses, it's amazing how the blessing and the power of God will begin to flow. That's why it's so important, husband and wives, if you're, if you're having issues and problems that, that you don't just say, well, you just don't understand me or I'm done with this or, or I'm not going to do anything else anymore because, because you just won't change. No, it is your right, it is your responsibility to get back on the same spiritual wavelength because as the head goes, so does the rest of the house. And so if you want to see your children blessed, it's going to start with you. We can't allow friction with one another. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that we need to bind ourselves together in love, making allowance for each other's faults. In other words, everyone in here is not perfect. We're going to falter. We're going to have our moments. But that's why forgiveness is key. Even Peter came to to Jesus and said, Jesus, how many times do I forgive my brothers? Seven? Wow, that's a big ask. Today's culture, lucky to even get one moment of forgiveness. He says seven. Jesus says no. Here's a math problem for you. Seventy times seven. Do that one, Peter. Uh, In other words, Peter, you always forgive. You don't stop walking in love and forgiveness because there must be unity in the body for me to be able to move in the body. Can allow ourselves to, so so the shepherd makes sure that the sheep is not in a place that they're at odds with one another. And if you were to ever get a picture of seeing sheep that are actually lying down, I mean, they're not clunked up all together. They kind of all have their own little, little space. Because the shepherd knows, if I can free them from friction, free them from famine, free them from fear, then I can get them in a place that they can, Lie down. There's one more thing that the shepherd does so that the sheep will, will lie down. He frees them from filth. So what are you talking about? Aren't sheep naturally dirty? Yes, but that's not the filth I'm talking about. Later on in this passage, you know how it talks about, and you anoint my head with oil? Shepherds would actually anoint the sheep's head with oil. To be holy sheep, no. Flies and, 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 and parasites would land on a sheep's nose. Because it's the only fleshly exposed part of a sheep's body because they're covered in its, in, in its wool. The nose is the only fleshly part. So that's where the flies and the parasites would land. And when they would land on the sheep's nose, what they would do is they would contaminate with, with laying eggs and, and whatever else kind of virus that, that, that those bugs or, or, or those mosquitoes would have, they would lay that on the sheep's nose. And what would happen is they would get up into the sheep's nose to the point where they would begin to, and this might sound gross, but they would begin to hatch on the inside of the sheep's head and what it would do is it would cause the sheep to not be in the right headspace, And so sheep will go over to trees. If, you, if you've ever seen this at all, like on a National Geographic, you see like sheep and goat, they bang their head on trees. Because there's something that's in their head that's not right. Their mind has been contaminated. And so what the shepherd does is he puts an ointment on the nose so when the flies would begin to land on the nose, they couldn't get a grit. They would slide right off. In other words, when the Lord anoints you, and he begins to cover you, and the enemy tries to come in and contaminate your life, it can't stick. Because when you're walking in the anointing of God, it does not matter what the devil throws at you. You are the anointed people of God. And so you move in purpose, you move in destiny, you move in a place that you know, I'm good, it's it's cool because I got Jesus. He's anointed my head with oil. I've got the anointing. Tell you what, if there ever was a season that we need to see a greater outpouring of the anointing, it's right now. For the things that has already been mentioned, the things that's going on in the world, the filth, the contamination that is trying to creep its way into the church, we don't have time for a couple of points and a song and a 60-minute service to get us in and out. We need to be the people of God that is Posturing ourselves in the presence of God, in the holy of holies, encountering the power of God, allowing the anointing to flow, because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage off of our families and off of our communities. We need the anointing, right? we need the people of God to say, Jesus, I desire more. You anoint my head with oil." And so the good shepherd, he frees from friction, from famine, from fear, and from filth. And when a sheep has all of those conditions accounted for, he's in a place of rest. What I'm simply trying to tell you this morning is when you allow the Lord to free you from fear, from famine, from friction, from filth, it's amazing how you're going to find yourself in a restful state. And it doesn't matter what the world even looks like. Doesn't matter what's going on in the natural. Have you ever been in a place that things made absolutely no sense, it felt like it was all falling apart, but you were at the most peaceful, restful state? He makes me lie down. Not by submission, but he makes sure that the condition of my life is so good that even in the middle of the storm, I could sleep on the pillow in the back of my boat. I help you. Faith is the storm that you can sleep through because he's made the conditions of your life. So that's the good shepherd. You shall not be in want. I'm gonna close with this last scripture this morning as the team comes. You're getting something out of this today. John chapter ten. I'm gonna read verses three through five for you. As we close this morning, it says to this, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Verse 4 says, he brings them out, he goes before them, and the sheep follow, why? For they know his voice. I just want to ask you this morning, do you know his voice? Do you know his voice? Do you know his he's the good shepherd, and all these things that he can do is great. But it doesn't matter what he can do if you don't know his voice. The other day, um, my wife and I, we took our kids over to this, this new park where they've got all this, they call it a splash pad. and There's like water and all these things that's going on outside and the kids get to play in the water. And um, while we were out there, my son and my daughter, they were having the time of their life running through all the water. But my son went over to this one area where, um, where a lot of water would just get poured out. And he's a little guy. He's one and a half. And I knew if he stood there When the water would flow It would have knocked him over And he could have potentially gotten hurt And so I'm watching my daughter out of one eye And my son out of the other Like any good parent And the two eyes that Miraculously exist in the back of my head I'm full parameter <laughs> You know, the spidey senses are strong And um, I noticed that my son drifted over to where, where this one area where the water really begins to rush. Now, my nickname for my son is I call him Bear. Some days he's an angry bear, some days he's a care bear, but he's my bear. And so I caught him out of the corner of my eye and I just said, Bear, get over here. His back was totally towards me, but he heard my voice and he was able to shift himself just a couple of feet out of the way of where this water was coming down really fast, really strong and it didn't hit him. And he turned over towards me and he just started you know, running towards me and I just picked him up and I hugged him and I, just, you know, I said, be careful. But the reality of it was this, he knew my voice. I didn't go over and have enough time to grab him by the arm and change the condition his condition changed out of the response to the voice. I'm here to tell you today, some of you are waiting for the Lord to come in and make your condition change, but he's just waiting on you to respond to his voice. Respond to his voice and your condition changes. The Lord's knocking on the doors of your hearts this morning and he's saying, I'm here, let me in. I wanna know you, I want to love you, I want to care for you. I want the condition, the culture, the, the, the your life to be one that is based upon how I desire for it to be, which is a good life. Do you know his voice this morning? Do you know his voice this morning? That's my heart every day of my life, Lord. I wanna hear your voice more than anything, just to know the voice of, the good shepherd, my heavenly father. There's nothing more important than the voice of God in my life. Do you know his voice today, church? Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.